Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, welcome everyone to the spotlight here on Fightful.com. And it is a three-man booth this week. Connor Casey is joining Steven Jensen and I. Steven Jensen with a late announcement that he got dismissed from jury duty. Jensen, did you just walk in with your sunglasses and be like, I'm I'm here, but I'm not going to be here, and I'm done. What happened here? How did you get dismissed from jury, dude? They, did they yeah. see your name? And they're like, that's Steven Jensen of the spotlight. We can't have him missing the show. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, I got bigger and better things and more important things to do on Thursday morning than be at court dealing with like criminals and, and making big decisions and stuff in Fulton County. So, but I, um, no, they very, 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 very short and not exciting story. Uh, basically, there's a number you call the night before you have to go in, and it's a pre-recorded message. And I called the number last night, and I was prepared, man. I had like my my slacks and button up, like all ready to go this morning, and I really didn't knives want to go. And guns, yeah, you gotta have your knives and guns in wrestling sport. Uh, right, true, true. Um, but I, I really didn't want to go because it was like I would have had to wake up super early. I would have had to drive downtown, have to get on a bus, have to get over to the courtroom. This whole it's a whole thing, and then you might not even get picked once you're there. So I was like, I was dreading having to do it. Anyway, I called the number last night. They said my group wasn't called in, and they said you're excused. I was like, okay, perfect. So then I called you immediately or texted you immediately. I was like, hey, I I don't have to do jury duty tomorrow anymore. Um, so I said if you got someone lined up, you yeah. said I'm gonna read this text verbatim. Mm-hmm. You said, hold on, one four. So I don't have jury duty. I know you have Connor Casey on the show. Bump that, that <laughs> asshole off the show, and I am back, and I'm going to be on. Tell you, Connor you, to kick rocks. 
That's word for word what you said. I have it right here. You dare talk to your interim pillar to post champion that way? Yeah, I, I literally uh, let me pull the text up real quick. No, the, you know, I have the receipts here. I have the receipts. Jeremy's the transcriber, so I trust him. Yes, thank you, thank you. All I do is start shit on these shows. That's I all. I do. Everyone knows um, I just try to get everybody to fight each other, and then I just sit back and watch the chaos. That's that's my role here. Connor Casey, thank you for joining us. I did message you on like Tuesday when I realized I thought I. So more behind the scenes stuff is people are like, where's the wrestling talk? Uh, I thought about, I, I was going to message you on like Monday night, Jensen. It's like, shit, we don't have anybody lined up for this week to interview. I should message Jensen and be like, who are we going to talk to? He's usually record these on Tuesday. And then I was like, oh, Jensen has jury duty this week. We don't need to line up a guest. I need to line up a co-host. Yeah. And so I messaged Connor because you reached out uh, last time I needed a co-host. And I already, already had SB3 lined up. I messaged you. I was like, hey, can you do the show? You're very gracious to do it. And then you came on Pillar to Post and you whooped. You buried SB3. You literally murdered that man on air. And then you graciously uh, co-hosted this. And Steven Jensen is here. And we're running a three-man booth. We're here to talk about wrestling. Connor, though, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I, this is I'm not used to the uh, the early morning zoo uh, podcast time. I'm more of a more of an afternoon podcasting brand. But uh, but no, I'm here and I'm happy to be here. This uh, I've enjoyed what you guys have been doing. So uh, let's get at it, guys. We are going to we're going to start with we're going to start with a uh, professional wrestler. Or do you want to be a WWE superstar? You know, WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better to me than being a professional wrestler. We're going to start with that voice right there. Vince McMahon, more information came out on him last week from the Wall Street Journal. More hush money was paid, including a $7.5 million hush pack to a former employee who he allegedly coerced for sexual favors, to for raises and pushes. <sighs> I, look, I don't have a lot to add from, obviously, the legal standpoint of all of this. But, Connor, I know you wanted to discuss kind of the future with WWE and Vince McMahon. So I'm going to give you the floor on this. And I'm not going to mention canceling Vince McMahon because I don't want to be uh, laid up next to SB3. You, you, you saw what happens when you, when you bring that up. But, yes. Ted. So we're six days removed now from the Wall Street Journal report. And just about everybody has given their two cents already as to what this means. We've we've done the speculation whether or not he's going to this is actually going to be the thing that gets him out. I wanted to kind of take things in a bit of a different direction and talk about what it actually means if Vince McMahon does depart from WWE, because whether it's now or down the road when nature takes its course and he kicks the bucket, at some point WWE will be run by somebody not named Vince McMahon. So I, I, and I, I've thought about this before. I'm like, okay, what happens when he's out of, the, that's, out of that position? And I don't think it's the magic bullet that some folks are thinking it's going to be. We all assume that, oh, when, he, when he's gone, Triple H will step into power and it'll be like black and gold NXT era across Raw and SmackDown and we'll have storylines that make sense and characters that we care about. And I just don't think those changes are immediately going to happen. Every time that idea comes up, I think of the history of the Walt Disney Corporation. If you follow the history of how that company has gone in the last 50 years... When Walt died in the late 60s, 
all the way up through Michael Eisner taking over as head of Disney in the early 80s. The company was effectively defined by the sentence, what would Walt do? They, they looked at every creative decision with that mindset. And it's why when people talk about their favorite Disney products, they usually don't come from the 70s. And why you see things like the Black Cauldron on top of lists is like, this is the weirdest Disney project ever. And it's one of the worst. It's because they were still trying to go behind the, the thought process of what would Walt do? So let's say hypothetically, because we, we talked about this on Pillar to Post. Let's say this is what forces Vince to step away. And a year from now, he's gone. I don't think WWE looks much different than it does right now. If Stephanie McMahon is running the show, well, she was raised under Vince. One has to imagine her sensibilities for the business match his. If Bruce Pritchard's sticking around, his entire booking philosophy is, well, what made Vince happy? You know, what what's the big attraction? What what keeps the what keeps the old man, you know, humming along? Could Triple H step in as a creative role? Sure. But we still don't know how how accessible he is given his heart condition. And then even if none of those people are directly following creative, you can't tell me that the sentence, what would Vince do, doesn't get said a million times. Before somebody actually takes the Michael Eisner role, steps in and says, okay, we do legitimately need to go in a new direction. So I don't think, so for the people that are holding their breath and hoping that this might be the thing that gets Vince out. And I hope it is personally. I think it's this, you know, in any other line of work, he'd already be gone. And I think what we, what we've come to find out in the past few months, pretty reprehensible, but I don't think WWE goes through these massive sweeping changes the moment he leaves. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, um, you know, a, a, maybe a comparable example would be kind of when the UFC was sold. Um, the Fertitas stayed, the Fertitas left, the, 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 were the owners, but Dana White stayed on, who was the president and also a part owner. And, you know, people were like, well, what's this going to mean? What's, what changes are going to happen now that this is like a new ownership and stuff? And honestly, depending on how you look at it, the product's gotten worse. It's gotten better depending on how you, it depends on how you look at, at it as a fan. But it's like, once they left, it became more about like super fights and, and the, and like making guys like Joe Rogan wear like suits on commentary when before they wouldn't. And so they just made like just different changes. It made it a little bit different, but it overall didn't really change the product too much. It just made it a little bit more entertainment based because they, they were looking at it more as like, Hey, if this guy wants to fight this guy, who cares about which weight class is happening? We, we just want to make money. Like it kind of some like the rankings and, and the way the structure kind of worked, she kind of changed a little bit, but for the most part, it's pretty much the same, the same company. It was with WWE. I don't see there being massive changes either, regardless of who's in charge. Because like you said, Stephanie's Stephanie and triple H and Shane, if he were to come back are all from the Vince tree. Shane, Shane's probably the most, the, the biggest rebel of all of them. Like I could see Shane kind of like, going off and trying to take it in his own direction because he's left the company multiple times trying to start his own thing before so like i could see shane maybe being kind of a rebel out of the group and trying to make some big changes but my my assumption is the main guy in charge will probably be nick khan even if it's a team of like nick khan with stephanie and triple h or however they do it but nick khan i think is literally right now just going like 
he's got the Vince McMahon playbook. Like he has McMahon just showing him like, this is how I do it. This is how the company does it. So on and so forth. And he's just being a sponge and kind of trying to be the next Vince is what it seems like. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. It, it's just one of those things where like, and what, like you said, Connor, whether WWE, whether this is the straw that breaks the camel's back and WWE needs to, you know, they got to do something about Vince now or Vince decides to vote himself out of his own job because that's pretty much what needs to happen and, and all this stuff. Regardless, the share, because I've heard people say, well, the shareholders, like the shareholders have got to be really nervous. Like the shareholders don't want to get rid of Vince. The shareholders trust Vince, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, at some point, I mean, he's still like almost 80. Like, so like, there has to be a succession plan of some kind. Like the shareholders have to know at some kind, at some point, Vince isn't going to be that guy. So there has to be some sort of plans in place to, for a succession there. But unfortunately, whether it's like a Nick Khan or a, or a Stephanie or whoever winds up kind of being the person in power after Vince, if they're still making more money than they've ever made, and they're still a bigger worldwide brand, brand than they've ever been, like, I don't think they're going to change anything about what they do. As a matter of fact, I think the future of the WWE, I've talked about this before, this is a whole rabbit hole we don't have to go down, but I think the future of the WWE is literally like what we're starting to see in movies with like CGI and holograms and, and like bringing people back from the dead and all this stuff. I think the future of the <laughs> WWE is literally like them using like a hologram of like prime Steve Austin to wrestle like a current day Roman Reigns in the metaverse. Like that's that like, rule. no, like that's the future. I think of the company, like literally, I think that the, the smartest thing they can do is get as many IPs as they can for, for wrestlers that were really, really famous and really, really popular and basically get to work on them in the metaverse because they're not creating their own new stars. So just use the old stars when, when you we, we basically bring them back, you know? So that's how I, that's the greatest I, idea I've ever heard. This rules. Well, I, I hope that's what actually happens. Yeah. Cause what, what's the point of like, because you know, they're already not signing indie wrestlers. Really. They're not really interested in building new stars. Like they have their star in Roman Reigns. They have their star in Cody. They have their star in saw in, uh, in, um, Charlotte. Don't say Sasha. I almost said Sasha. <laughs> I, I, I meant as Charlotte. She's not saw, a star, according sorry, to. Sorry, I was trying to say Charlotte, yeah. but but yeah, no, I'm a fan of Sasha as well, obviously. But I know that she's, you know, I'm looking forward to her doing her own thing somewhere else. But I, um, but honestly, I think that's the that's the future of the company is like the, where if you want to see like real, legitimate like pro wrestling, it's going to be AEW and in the indie scene. You're going to have plenty of that, and WWE is just going to become more and more entertainment based. And at some point, it's not even going to have to do with like real wrestling in my opinion so because it already doesn't really have to do with wrestling it's pretty much just a bad it's a d-level acting show with like a few athletic people on it i mean it's here's, you know here's what I'm at. the business side if vince is gone i don't think that changes much because i think nick Khan already has pretty big control over the business side and stephanie's done a lot of work on that side as well i do think if stephanie's in charge there are people that she would like to get rid of. We can we can camera cut to them right now. Um, and I think there's other people that she would like to get rid of. I'm more interested in what we see on screen because that's what affects me. I'm not a shareholder. I'm not a stockholder. I'm not I'm not really purchasing any of their their products outside of the Peacock Network. And I just watch Thirty Rock all day on that. So I don't care as much about the business side. But the on-screen, the, the Raw and the SmackDown and the premium live events, that's what I care about. And that's what I want to see what changes the most if Vince is gone and if somebody like Triple H has power or if Bruce Pritchard continues to have power or if Jeff Jarrett 
gets elevated, whoever is the head of creative there, what changes do they make on the on-screen product? And that's where I do think things will change because Vince is very much set in his ways with these things where Triple H, he proved in NXT, he's getting uh, sent gift baskets from Reddit and everything during his uh, top run in NXT. So he proved he, he has a certain philosophy when it comes to wrestling. Bruce has his own philosophy. I don't know if it's good or bad uh, based on his podcast. I'm not the biggest fan in the world. Jeff has his own philosophy, which is put the title on himself, which cool. Um, <laughs> so they've all, they've got their different philosophies than Vince does, but that's where I'm interested of the change. If Vince steps back, not so much about the day-to-day business because they're making more money than ever. I think they'll continue to make a lot of money without Vince because Stephanie seems to have a, a good head on her shoulders with everything and is hopefully not going to get caught up in the things Vince has been caught up in. Nick Khan, you, you, hopefully the same thing. But the business, they're still going to make these million, billion-dollar deals, and it might be more beneficial with Vince's, Vince gone and there is no, hey, all these lingering allegations are being held over the company because the guy in charge has these allegations against them well here here's the funny thing is that if vince left tomorrow wwe would still have the most profitable year it's ever seen Mm -hmm. simply because those contracts with fox nbc universal and saudi arabia aren't going anywhere and when the next run of deals comes around we're not to assume that they're going to get any less because the premium on live entertainment for television networks hasn't gone down so they fill even though their, their quality isn't where it was 20 years ago. The need to have that product on screen, they fill that. So they're allowed to dictate the price to go higher and higher. And the Saudi deal isn't done for at least another late into this decade. So they're still going to make an obscene amount of money. So it's funny that WWE tries to tell its shareholders, oh, everything falls apart if Vince leaves. No, it doesn't. They could run reruns of Monday Night Raw from 98 on USA every week, they might get mad, but the deal, the deals will continue. The money is still going to come in when people, when, you know, Roman Reigns goes on SmackDown and says, I'm the reason we're having the most profitable era of all time. It's like, you have literally nothing to do with this. This is entirely based off of television contracts. Um, And also uh, Jeff Jarrett had two booking philosophies. One was put himself over and two was not put the title on Monty Brown. Yeah. That was that was still yeah I'm still salty about that. He, like Monty Brown should have been the the NWA TNA champion undoubtedly. Everyone should be um, salty about. It. If you don't think Monty Brown should have been TNA champion, we're not friends. Because well, they because they, they they needed their homegrown guys and like he was one of them. Like that was that yeah was a thing of beauty. Well, no, he and he, he got good so quickly too. He was just a guy who the, the natural charisma and the athleticism and he just he just it just clicked so fast for him. Um, Anyways, yeah, we can do a whole whole podcast on Monty Brown for sure. I agree with everything y'all are saying, though. Like, I mean, that's that's the thing that that's the that's the kind of the that's more like me as a wrestling fan. That's why I don't even get like mad about it or even think about it too much when it comes to WWE because it's like, who am I to say? I mean, when it comes to Vince, that's a whole other thing. But like the WWE in general, it's like, who am I to say they're doing anything wrong? Like they're making more money than they ever have, you know not not as many people are watching like in the u.s but worldwide it's this humongous brand it's like a mcdonald's level of like recognizability you see the that w logo and it's like even if you don't know what wrestling is you know what wwe is and and uh you know and you know and they market their their product 
it's a PG product. It, it's just a show that just isn't really for me anymore. I watch it once a month on pay-per-view or, or, or special event or whatever they call it, premium live event. That's pretty much it. But like, I can't really knock what they're doing because it's working for them bottom line wise and they're continuing to grow their brand. It's just not really a product for me. When it comes to like Triple H though, I was excited for for the, the the potential of him being in charge because I did really love that black and gold NXT era. Like I thought that he did great with that and not even so much. He did great with the storyline aspect, which I'd imagine was a collaboration between the wrestlers and him. Like there was probably a lot of people putting their heads together to make you know really cool stuff happening on that show. But what really excited me about a guy like Triple H is he's a guy who went out and, you know, uh, signed Jushin Thunder Liger for a match when he was under New Japan contract to wrestle Tyler Breeze. And like he's he had a guy he's a guy who was signing all the hot indie acts off off, you know, the scene outside of WWE. And so that's what excited me about Triple H was like this guy's got his finger on the pulse of what's cool outside of WWE. And maybe he can make it so that like this product is a lot more geared towards what I want to watch. Um but the more and more he kind of loses power and the more that like Nick Khan kind of becomes that guy, it just kind of seems like the next Vince to me. I, my honest, my honest prediction is that this will just streamline the WWE selling like this whole Vince thing. I think Vince is like trying to get out there and kind of middle finger everybody, like go out to the UFC and show his face and show his face on the wrestling shows and like really be out there more now than he's been in a long time, just to kind of give a middle finger to everybody. And then, I think they sell to like a like a Disney or like a much bigger corporation, and Nick Khan stays on as kind of like their Vince. And the other thing is, Vince is never going to really be gone. Like as long as he's alive and his phone works, like they're still going to be calling him to con- for consulting stuff constantly. I'm sure. So like even if he steps away, he's still going to be involved. I'd imagine to some degree. And and Jeremy, you talk about how you don't really necessarily care about the business side, and you're more interested in what's happening on screen and creative. The problem is, is that the business side dictates what we see on screen. Wrestling fans have been trained now for two generations to pay very close attention to television ratings, even though we all are seemingly in agreement that the Nielsen ratings system is flawed. We all still look at it because we were told for 20 years that that was what dictated who was winning the wrestling war between WWF and WCW. I, I swear I mention this book every time I'm on a show, but Guy Evans is Nitro. That book states in very plain English, the reason WCW was no longer around had nothing to do with Vince Russo, Kevin Nash, or any of the bad booking decisions of the year 2000. It was because Turner did not want, it because Ted Turner was no longer in power and could not veto everybody else within that company booting them off. So when the Time Warner AOL merger happens and they say, hey, we don't want this show anymore, there was no one that could tell them no. So the business side of things dictates so much of what we see on TV. So that's why wrestling fans are, fans are trained to be obsessed with it. It so does, that's, that's but, this. but if Triple H is in charge and he switches things up on television a little bit, like maybe it affects the ratings one way or another. I don't think they're going to continue to go down at the rate they've gone down. Maybe he can help stabilize things. I mean, it dictates a little bit, but like the product they put out now is just, it's not good. Like I, I have no desire to watch a lot of it. I don't know if Triple H helps it, hurts it, or anything, but they're going to put out their, their the product they've been putting out. I think Triple H helps it for a, for a little, for wrestling fans like us who enjoy 
logical things uh, and who enjoy like actual good stories and some actual wrestling. I think there was about 10 minutes of wrestling on SmackDown this past week. I, I think for us, like he will help things. I don't think he's going to do a complete overhaul and go like full on indie, this type of thing. I do think that wrestlers will get a little bit more say in, in what they do because you listen to all these uh old NXT, the, the black and gold NXT guys, they talk about it's a collaboration with Triple H. Triple H would maybe tweak some things, but for the most part, it was my idea and I just go out there and got to be myself and it worked. And then, of course, you see the WWE stuff and it's all this overproduced uh, stuff that, that we see nowadays. And I think Triple H will scale that back a little bit. It, I don't think the business changes that much. I do think the on-screen product potentially gets a little bit better because you will have a guy and I'm, I'm just throwing out triple H. It could be somebody else. And if it's somebody like Bruce, then I don't know if it changes for the better. I'm, I'm using triple H as the example, based on what we know with the gift baskets and the booker of the year awards. Um, I think he gives a little bit more control to the wrestlers scales. It doesn't go full. Like WWE, one of their big selling points is we are an over top production. He's not scaling it back to, Hey, let's go dark arenas, death metal, like, uh, black and gold NXT, but he will bring the overtop production while still making it a little bit more gritty and grimy, like we saw in the the Attitude Era. Obviously, not to to that extent because that that era is just past. I think Triple H being in charge of the product helps the the on screen, and it doesn't change the business that much because the, their business is going to be their business. And as long as Triple H isn't pissing off, you know, the networks and, and pissing off Peacock or or USA, NBC, Fox, as long as he's not pissing off executives with what he puts out on screen and he's smart enough not to be like, okay, well we need blood and guts, we need to do this and that. I don't think the the product is going to change to to where these the networks are like, all right, yeah, we don't want this anymore. If, if the theme song of Raw becomes a Slipknot song, then we know Triple H. They don't even have real- theme songs anymore. They just the kind of theme do. songs. I was about to ask yeah. what the theme song of like Raw currently is. It was like, NF who- there for a minute, and now I don't know who the new guy is. Hmm. It, it, they used Vo Williams. I interviewed him, and he, but like, I. I don't watch enough of Raw to, to know, but it seems like they just go, they do their signature intro and then they just go right into the show. Half and the, the theme song they don't even do plays. that anymore. Like, they they don't have like consistently every week. They barely do it. Right. They don't have like an opening theme song, I don't think, or an opening like heard. video package like they used to. I have no that idea. It's bad ACD song. ACD I mean, song. it's all gone oh, downhill after Thorn in Your Eye for Raw. Like that's still peak theme song for me. Is oh, the Papa mid- Roach one was fun. That was all right. That was and across I the nation or whatever it was. Yeah, across the nation was all right. I, I still, I still, uh, I still like Thorn in Your Eye better than all those. But that's also a big nostalgia factor for me. Like, but, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was like wasn't there a song? I, I, I remember realizing like. I'm not this audience anymore. When the Raw theme song was like, "We're going out tonight." That was Nickelback. We'll you every night, and I was like, "This isn't wrestling." Nickelback is ruined Steven Jensen's fandom. Yeah, I was like, "What? This is not for me anymore." What is this? This like, isn't wrestling. This is Chad Kroger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, any final final thoughts on on Vince potentially? Well, we don't know what's going to happen. The first story came out and he stepped back from being the CEO and then he was on television the same day he stepped back from being the CEO and he'd been on television a few times 
since then. The second story came out last week. We haven't really heard any behind-the-scenes stuff, but uh, Sean Ross Sapp reported after the first story came out, he Vince was backstage just like, fuck him. And, you know, he came yeah. out on television. He's like, then, now, together, and most importantly, together. Like, he's basically saying, you're either with me or against me on this. I don't know how much more is coming out. I listened to the the Wall Street Journal guys talk on Busted Open Radio, saying they're going to continue to report on stuff. They don't know if something bigger is going to come out. But when you report on one thing, and this is how the second part came out, more people get more and more comfortable stepping forward with these things. And it's possible that there is more out there. They will get more comfortable stepping forward. And we shall see. I do think it's, they mentioned it, like wrestling fans are very dismissive of these things because it's like, well, look who Vince portrayed on television for, for 20 years now. Like this is not a, a shocker to, to anybody, but I think that $7.5 million one is a big red flag to anybody paying attention. And, but I don't think anything really changes until we start to see like sponsors pull out and, and big, you know, big deals fall through the Netflix thing as Denise Alcedo reported that like that's off the slate right now. That's a pretty big deal because they spent a lot of money on that reportedly. So if that's off the table, that's a pretty big deal. But until like we see sponsors pull out, we see network executives comment on things. I don't know if it's going to blow up in, in a, in a big way just yet. I'm, I'm always of the mind that the rich, powerful white person just gets away with it. That's unfortunately how we've been trained when it comes to this stuff is the rich, powerful white person just stays the rich, powerful white person. And maybe there are minor changes, but in the end, he still lives in his mansion. Funny thing is that wasn't even the only Vince McMahon product being made at the moment. There's still that Blumhouse one about the steroid trials. And then there was that Bradley Cooper movie that I don't know where that's going. So, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. We still might get more Vince McMahon on our screen, whether we like it or not. He's going to be, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be at SummerSlam, man. He's, I, he's going to, he's going to beat Theory. He's going to win that money in the bank briefcase <sighs> from Theory. This is my, my, I'm cashing it in on yes. the courts. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Vince would do some dumb shit like that. Uh, let's move on to my WWE spotlight. Let's go in a completely different direction. Cora Jade turns uh, on Roxanne Perez. Everyone's like, "What? why is Jeremy talking about NXT? I got to tell you, there's like nothing happening on Raw and SmackDown that interests me at the moment. But like this NXT turn is kind of interesting because they're the, the NXT women's tag team champions. Can they coexist? Can they get along? They've got these titles. Roxanne Perez, the prodigy, seemed like she, she could you know hold all the gold, but Cora turns on her. I guess they're doing a Shawn Michaels diesel type thing because they clearly had big plans for Cora Jade. They, she was heavily pushed in that war games match last year. And it seemed like she was going to be sort of the next champion. And then they put the belt on, on Mandy Rhodes, uh, Mandy Rose with everything. And now Roxanne comes along and is kind of taking the, the spotlight a little bit from her. But Cora Jade is here to take her spot back as the top heel. I can't wait. This feud is going to define women's wrestling for the next decade in WWE. All right? I've that said it. That sounds like a press, I'm not a On promise. record, don't hate on Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez. Why, why are you such a hater, Connor Casey? Tell me how because, great this feud is. Because when a tiny piece of a skateboard is all you can whack your opponent with, I have a problem. It's not I her mean, fault. That's Prop's fault. Prop didn't make kept, a good job. She kept hitting her with it like it was still intact. <laughs> oh, no. 
Oh no! Hey, so like I can't add a whole lot to this part of the conversation, unfortunately. And I'm, oh, I, and Jensen, you didn't watch this. I told you to watch the segment. I turned it on on YouTube, and it was like an eight, it was like a nine minute video, and I was like, I don't have nine. It's a five minute clip, and you, you just, just scrolled the, to you about just the four like the minute eight mark. Second clip okay, let me let me let me pull it up while you are talking. I'll pull it up and I'll watch it on my phone on mute real quick so I can see. It's, um, it's a five. I I will put the link. Do you need the link? Uh, if you want to text it to me, I was I was gonna watch it on my phone real quick. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I will text it to you. It's a five-minute clip. Just scroll to about the four-minute mark of four this, minute mark. and you, okay. can, you can watch just about everything you need to watch. Actually, scroll to the because the turn is. happens at the three-minute mark. Scroll the three-minute okay. mark. Two minutes. That's all you need, Stephen Jensen. Two okay. minutes of this. Gonna watch it because well, this was, it, well, I was about to say this was my reaction when uh when Jeremy sent me that. What did I text you? I said uh you said that your your WWE spotlight was going to be Cora Jade, and I said, "Is yeah. Cora Jade the one that carries around a skateboard but can't actually <laughs> ride it?" That was my that was my text. I was like, "That's what you're talking about." Okay, that that's what we're talking about on the show. Yeah. Yes. Oh, right. There's nothing happening on Raw and SmackDown that like I care I, about at I, all. I do maintain Alex Palowski's theory that Cora can't actually ride a skateboard. And oh no, I think that's 100 percent true because otherwise she'd be riding it, right? Yeah, she rides it like two feet. 
So yeah, why are you guys not... hating on Cora Jade? She's playing a character. The character right. doesn't have to yeah, be herself. The... You guys know the Undertaker wasn't actually dead. No, I get it. I get right? it. But like, you could have chose anything else that she like actually could do. Like, here's the thing. Like, I don't think that Wendy Chu actually just sleeps all day. But like, I love that yeah, character. The jury's out on that one. Yeah, but but that but that character is great. Like, I think that's actually pretty funny. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is she goes to the arcade during the day and sleeps all night and like and sleeps all day and like just kind of doesn't even care about what she's doing. Yeah, wrestling, they, wrestling the pajamas. Maybe, guns were Mandy Rose's cowboys. Okay, Mandy Rose's persona is she is sexy, and in real life she is sexy, so that works. Right. Well, here's the thing: you couldn't like prove that like the smoking guns like weren't actually cowboys or whatever like you what can, do you mean like, you can't prove it there were no cowboys well, in the well, 90s okay. what well okay <laughs> cowboy cerrone is like is a cowboy like cowboy hangman page the Dallas is, like, cowboys were very prevalent in the 90s what are you my, talking about my point is they could have given cora jade anything like the problem okay with the okay the goon, like, you the goon, going the to goon was a not a hockey player all right, I the know. goon was not a hockey player. You don't know for that. Him, but for him to be, pretend he's a hockey player, all he has to do is carry a stick. Like, Cora Jade is carrying a device that you're supposed to ride. Like, it's, it's blatantly obvious she can't ride the thing. Like, that's my problem. Is like, Duke the Dumpster any other did not go around collecting garbage cans. Every he morning. did have a, a garbage can in his hand, so. But all he had to do was carry a garbage can. She has a skateboard like, in her ride, hand. You, but you can't ride she a garbage can. You can't ride a garbage can. What? The Repo Man was not going around and actually stealing. It would have been in jail if that were the case. They're when Darby characters. Allen, when Darby Allen is near a skateboard, he rides it. Yeah, he's not <laughs> he plays himself. He, he play, also gets every, on a people tricycle. People in AEW play themselves. They don't know he anything about character a, work. Here's the thing: he goes on a tricycle, gets to the top of a nitro circus ramp, and does the stunt twice because the first time he lands on the back of his freaking head. That, that's, I love that's Darby. Insane. I love following Darby on Twitter just for the crazy stuff he's doing on his off days. This isn't even a real. What is this skateboard that she's trying to do? That thing was tiny. You're right, Connor. I'm, I just watched it. That's <laughs> that look. That was okay. Whatever. Here's the thing. All right. I I, I know. I I knew of Corey Jade a bit on her on the indie scene before WWE. I do know who she is. I'm not. I'm I'm trolling a little bit with joking about the skateboard. Um. I don't know if she's still with Blake Christian or not. But I always thought that they were they, they were cool together. And I I I was kind of bummed when Blake got fired like kind of right as she was coming in so like i you know i do know a little bit more about them than i'm letting that i'm leading on but do you know who those... roxanne perez is yeah i know who roxy is okay i didn't know if you knew that was her NXT. i haven't haven't haven't, haven't really seen her at all on nxt yet I, I don't watch the nxt show on tuesdays i just don't unless unless it's something like this where i have to go out of my way to watch something all right i watched it um yeah she turned heel uh she hit her with a very small skateboard <laughs> she barely it looked like she missed pretty much every one of those shots so so now she's a heel. You were saying that she's who she tagged in champions with Roxanne with Roxanne. So they're doing oh, the yeah. WCW angle with Rick Steiner and whoever was his partner. Yeah. Okay. Rules. It does it. Okay. So okay, cool. <laughs> um, good. Good for, uh, I mean, I uh, here's the thing. I'm excited for, for the future of Roxy because, you know, she's only like 19 or 20 years. So, I mean, she's going to be like massive. She's so good already. Like, and Cora Jade, once again, like I'm just roasting her because of the skateboard thing, because I just think it's I just think it's goofy. But like um, I'm not saying she's bad. I just don't watch enough of the show to like make a real opinion on like how great the story is or or anything really around it. I'm sure the match will be good though, whenever they have a, a match between the two. They so. you, they're gonna have a ton of matches over the next decade, and it's gonna be great to keep track of all the records. This is future, they're gonna be like Batista headlining multiple WrestleManias together. 
cannot wait. Why did he think that the 31 didn't count? That 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 was the part 30. that didn't make sense. He, he was like, does that count? I'm like, yeah, it counts. I think I think SP3 was just trying to save face. Of, does, does that count? Honestly, I, I SP3 is a smart man. I'm pretty sure he's just trying to save face. Like, does that count? It was a triple threat match. Nobody wanted him there because they wanted uh, Danielson. And it, I'm pretty sure he was just trying to Well, what's he saying doesn't what's count? He's saying Batista versus oh, 31. Oh, you missed the death. You missed the death on. Yeah. Uh, I should have clipped it. Uh, you you missed the death on pillar to post. Stephen Jensen. SB three was like Connor Casey is spitting lies, saying that Re- uh, Batista has headlined WrestleMania multiple times, twice. That's lies. Connor Casey is lying. No, He's he, only headlined no, he WrestleMania did. once. No, no, WrestleMania in like two thousand five or whatever, and yeah. then yeah, thirty in the main event. We had to correct yeah. SB three okay. and tell him thirty. Him off the show yeah. For a minute. yeah, he got booted off the show. He, he yeah. got murdered. He got murdered. Connor put this man in, in in a body bag and then put him six feet under. It was sad. I love SB3. It was sad to watch. Yeah, yeah we got a clip. Now I got to take on his tag partner, uh, Alex McCarthy, here. In some, yeah, he got to uh, kick the shit program. out of Alex McCarthy. He's horrible. He's <laughs> ducking. He was being a little bitch, ducking everybody on on uh, on Tuesday. Very sad. He thinks the ocean is big <laughs> enough to keep us apart. He's wrong. I said it on Tuesday. Steven Jensen, your reaction to, is it? Sure. I said it on Tuesday. The worst thing, maybe the best thing I've ever done is have you watch WWE stuff because it's so, it's so not, not for you. And it's tremendous though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On this show, you have to watch WWE stuff because we spotlight it. And so you have to watch some of the stuff that I make you watch. And it's tremendous. Yeah, but if you wanted to know where NXT has gone in the past year, that, that, that segment was a great encapsulation. Guys <laughs> are haters. Guys are haters on future WrestleMania. This used to be Mania my Mania. favorite show, Jeremy. Oh, dude. Well, I, I still got like. A... Steven Jensen's got his NXT titles. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I won it from WrestleRumble. Well, I didn't pay for it, but I mean, Steven Jensen's is... backstage doing the point yeah. with uh yeah with Triple, with H. Triple H. Let's go. I love go. this product. NXT Gold. I honestly like. <laughs> Back in like uh, I guess like the mid 2010s I guess what 2015 to 2017 ish or even like 2013 maybe you go a little bit farther back mm-hmm. I was like getting real worried as a wrestling fan because I was like man the WWE product's been like real stale and like there wasn't the indie scene wasn't really thriving at that point and like New Japan hadn't had their big resurgence yet and like all I really had as a wrestling fan for a while was NXT that was my big hope was like. I was on the train with everyone else. Like, I hope Triple H takes over eventually. I want to see this on Raw and SmackDown. They're signing all my favorite wrestlers from outside the WWE. Like, this is this is the future. So, like, for a while there, I'm with y'all. Like, I loved NXT Black and Gold. I did. I was but just, let, just, but I, I, it just changed so much. Let's let's go into a lighter topic. What was the angle wrestler match that sold you on the NXT brand originally? Oh, honestly, it was like super early on, like right, like even probably a little before they started on the network, uh, just like the rumblings of knowing guys like uh, Tyler Black were like the champion, you know, because I, I was paying attention to like FCW when like uh, Moxley and Regal wrestling each other and like Chris right. Hero and Regal and stuff. So like I so I but I would say I got really excited about it probably when like Cesaro and Sami Zayn wrestled. And I was like, oh, they're having these kind of matches on these shows. Like this is, this is like an indie show on a WWE platform. Like this is, and that that's probably when, but then I would say um, for me, like I, I thought like Neville's run was really good. Um, but once 
once the belt went to Sammy and then when it went on to Kevin Owens, my favorite run in NXT history is Kevin Owens as NXT champion. Um, I think Finn Balor did the most for the brand as the champion, but I think I, I would just, I love that heel Kevin Owens coming right in, turning on Sammy, using their, their history from ring of honor and stuff. And like, so I would say I got into it really, really early on, but like, Kevin Owens title run is what cemented it. I think for me is being like, Oh, this is like, this is my show. You know, mm-hmm. what about you? Did you have a moment like that? For me? So I, I had watched bits and pieces of it. Uh, I'm a senior in college at this point. So I'm a little, you know, my, my attention is elsewhere, but, uh, but honestly, the everything leading up to Sammy versus Neville, that last one in December, when he finally won the title in 2014, that was what really sold me as, okay, I'm watching this every week now. And, you know, I, I thought Finn's run was okay. I thought it kind of actually took a downturn a bit with the Joe Nakamura, Bobby Roode era and was kind of saved a bit by the surging tag division at the time. Sure. Uh, for me, the golden era is still that 2017 to 2019 and the entire scope of the DIY storyline and everything yeah. with Alistair Black. Um, but no, like, when you ask me like, what's my favorite NXT match? I still go Sammy Neville, December, 2014. Yeah. See, like, I think my favorite NXT match ever is probably. Jeremy, you're muted. There's a, there's a lot of really good ones, but like, I still, for what it was and when it happened in the moment in the, this, the hardcore wrestling fan aspect, my favorite match in NXT history is probably Zayn versus Nakamura. That's Um, great. That match rolled. Yeah. yeah, just that everything just it all came together. And like Nakamura debuting in NXT, coming with that that big name out of Japan and stuff. And like because I actually was subscribed to the New Japan World specifically because of Nakamura years ago. I was like, I gotta watch more of like this guy specifically. And that's how I really started. Yeah. Well, because like my first introduction to like Okada was like TNA and stuff, you know what I mean? So I was like oh, okay, super out of the loop. Like, so um, but um, but no, yeah, and then what like you're saying, like I was at WrestleMania in New Orleans when um when Gargano and Champa had that NXT takeover main event, that, that show was insane. That ladder match on that same show for the North American title was, in, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I, NXT black and gold is just the, the sad truth of it when it comes to a lot of what we're talking about in all honesty is AEW kicked their asses and Vince probably is still salty about it. He's like, all right, Paul, like it was on you to take care of this and you couldn't. And now we're, getting someone else who can you know and it's like oh that's too bad um you know but. the new kevin owens and Sami Zayn, the new Ciampa and gargano is perez and jade get mm. on board now all right nxt rainbow Wait. get on jade board Cargill's not on brand. nxt what are you talking about she could have been but um that was a Let's move on. Let's yeah. move on. Steven Jensen was doing, had the NXT championship doing the finger points with Triple H. The people who did the finger points with Tony Khan last night. Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. It was a great show. And I think it's been a run of great shows. Swerve in our glory. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland won the AEW Tag Team Championships in a triple threat match that also featured Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, and the Young Bucks. I have no issues with Swerve and Lee. Very happy for them. Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs should have won. That is my statement on the matter. Connor Casey. 
So I, it's it's really hard for me to argue against Keith Lee. You saw the promo he cut after the match, right? Yeah, that was good. That was that, very. That's emotional. a bit like you know, if there were ever an emotional uh, send off for that, that's yeah. You know, give let let him have the title. I am a bit bummed that I don't know if you saw, but now Arena somehow uploaded the image for advertising all all out. Yeah, like an hour before, and it had Keith and Swerve with the titles. Mm. So, oh, I did not so, notice that portion. Yeah, I, I saw that they well, advertised it, a, it, but yeah, I did not notice that. Oh, well, I was starting to just pop up on Twitter like 20 minutes before the match started. I was like, oh, oh crap, did they just give this away? Wow. But the match, the match itself was spectacular. It's like, you know, Keith and Swerve. I look at them both and I say, you could make either of these men world champion if you really tried. With Keith, you wouldn't have to try that hard. Um, but it's you know it's an it's an awesome moment. Uh, it, it it does kind of it's there's an interesting the tag division for AEW is in an interesting state right now, and we can get into that more if you want to. But as for the match itself, spectacular, and I you know I I think they have other plans for Ricky Starks. I, I hope so. And I think uh, it involved the fact that Hook smiled when someone asked him about, does he want to I don't want the other plans to be Ricky Starks getting his ass kicked by Hook. Well, as um, much as I like Hook, like I, I'm mad at how they've dropped the ball with, with Ricky. Everyone knows I'm a little bit biased towards Ricky. But the man is money, and he's just... He's been feuding with with Swerve and, and Lee pretty much since they got to the company. Now, if he loses the hook, I don't know where he goes. He should be at least at the very minimum in the, the TNT title picture. Uh, I, I just want better for Ricky Starks. He's so good. He's so good. He is, but I think they look at that FTW title and say that's enough for him right now. Like that, that is something for him to hold on. And to. they should do so. That's all he does is hold on to it. It's not like he defends it or anything. He just he carries it around, and it's just there. And if the the end game is Hook kicks the shit out of him, that's I don't like that. Uh, I, I love Swerve. I, I love Lee. I've been a big big fan of Swerve ever since he joined AEW. I've put him over plenty on Twitter and every time I, I, everyone knows I listen to a ton of interviews and I've listened once he joined AEW, he did about 300 interviews and I, I grew to love him even more after every interview that I heard. I'm glad they won. I do think they have potent big potential as single stars. Swerve talked about it. Uh, I believe it was on the corner podcast where he's like, you know, everyone hates it. We're in a tag team because they, they think Lee and I should be uh singles guys. It's like, well, hangman and Omega were in a tag team and with the titles and, that launched them into single stardom. Like, what's what's the difference here? You guys got to let it play out. Uh, so if that's going to be the launching point for them, I'm for it. Just after they kind of teased a little dissension, now they're the champions. I, I, I wanted Starks and Hobbs to win. Or I would have been fine with the Young Bucks retaining because it does seem a little weird of give them the run for a week and then take the belts off of them for, for Swerve and Lee. Or even if they had Starks and Hobbs win, that felt a little weird to just give them like a two week run with the title with the young bucks. You would think more of, they have a longer term title run. Uh, Jensen, what are your thoughts on Swerve and Lee? And then the, the overall state of the AEW tag team division. Um, first I'll say, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Jeff being out is changed a lot of things. Yeah. Cause I have to imagine the Hardys were going to win the tag team titles and now they're trying to figure things out on the fly. Um, and even if the Hardys were going to be the transitional champions, like 
to get the belts onto Swerve and Keith Lee, even if even if the result was ultimately going to be the same. I think it would have made more sense for like the Hardys to have like a short run if they still had the time to do like the Young Bucks match and stuff in between, and then they drop the titles to to Swerve and Keith or something like that. But as far as Swerve and Keith winning, I mean, I don't have a problem with it because I like both guys. Um, I, I personally speaking, I think the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world. If you want to make the argument for FTR, I'm fine with that as well. And there's some other great tag teams that you can throw in there, but for me, it's the Young Bucks. Um, but I mean, this match was so good, like. And I really didn't know who was going to win like throughout the match. I thought the Young Bucks were going to retain going into it just since they were so new with the champions. But I thought that was a badass match. And, uh, you know, speaking of both guys as single stars, I think eventually both Swerve and Keith Lee are going to be main event singles guys. Um, but they're already main event tag team guys when you really look at it like that. They were in the main event last night. They're the tag team champions. The tag team title belts mean a lot in AEW. Like they're they're very highly valued. And I think this is the best thing you could do with Swerve and Keith collectively right now uh, or individually because, you know, th- this is not a knock on either of these guys at all. As a matter of fact, this is kind of a co- – this is more of a compliment than a knock. But, like, when when you have a roster like what AEW has right now, and granted they have some injuries at the top, it's like it's just hard being Swerve and Keith Lee right now to get into that mix with, like, Omega, Danielson, Hangman, Mox, Punk, like they have to, there's things they need to, they need to finish between what's going on in the main event scene right now. Like they need to unify Mox and Punk. They need to follow through on Wardlow and where he's heading and he's called out Punk. There's just stuff kind of at the tippy top of the card right now that needs to get itself worked out first before I think more people can kind of get into that mix. So I think for Swerve and Keith Lee, they're both going to get into that mix. And this is the best thing for them to do in the meantime, I think. Have them go out and just have badass tag team matches, defend the titles, continue to get over more and more. And eventually, whether they split, feud, and and that's how they do it, or they just... Honestly, I like sometimes when tag team partners are just like, you know what, we don't even have to split. Like, we'll just do our own things, but also team when we need to. And, like, there's no split. And they keep their alliance and their friendship going forward just without any big turn or any big split. Like, I, uh, I'm i interested to see how they how it plays out with Swerve and Keith Lee because I think they're going to have a good title run. And then I do think both of them are going to be – like, I think both will probably at some point in their careers, both will probably be AEW world champion at some point. And if they both stay healthy and, they're both, and they both stay in the company, like – you know, I think I think Keith Lee is credible. Just look looks alone. Like you see him, and then you see him how he picks people up. He can throw you over the top rope and then jump over that same top rope to the outside, do a front flip. I mean, he's he's crazy. And Swerve, I think, is just incredibly well rounded. Like he's good at every aspect of pro wrestling, and I think he's incredibly charismatic. Like, so it's one of those things where, like, I think you got to star in both guys. So I think this gives them the best opportunity to to keep getting better and better and getting more and more over with the AEW audience as a tag team until there's a spot for them in like a singles run for, for kind of the main event scene. Connor, any final thoughts on the AEW tag team division? So I think it's in kind of a precarious place right now. Um, the Hardys for all we know are going to be out for the foreseeable future because of the Jeff situation. Um, by according to Conan, Santana and Ortiz can't stand each other. Yeah. So, I mean, Santana's out for a while anyway. With and, and even when he gets back, it's like that should that I feel like them never holding the tag titles. Big one of them winds up leaving. Well, that that's up there with one of the 
biggest missed opportunities AEW's had right up there with Cody never winning the world title. Yeah. Um, and you look at the rankings right now, it's, it's so obvious to go with young bucks versus FTR three or there you go for all the gold. Cause FTR has every title that isn't the AEW world champion tag titles. Uh, and they're, they're tied one-to-one. So you figured, Oh, that's, that's a great match for, for all out. And suddenly the wrinkle has been thrown in there. And then you look at the rankings and it's like oh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver in the top five. Eh. Private parties just kind of there. And they seemingly have been ever since they got that first win over the Bucks. Uh, House of Black seem preoccupied. It, it, the, the division's in a weird spot right now. And I, I'd never say it's, you know, it's not weak because there's way too much talent in it. There's just no obvious direction with it right now. And you could easily say, oh, well, just let Swerve and Lee, you know, have this unexpectedly long run like Kenny and Hangman did. But then that kind of just leaves FTR out to dry, who I don't know anybody who's not going to put them as the number one tag team in the world right now. So that's that's it's it's a tricky. Me and Jeremy both go with the Young Bucks. but Well, and I love the Bucks, but. I never heard a louder pop for a lockup this year than I did when Dax yeah. Harwood and Jay Briscoe were in but, the ring. Hey, FTR the crowd, really, don't get me wrong. Yeah, the crowd yeah. was chanting for FTR last week like, during the Bucks promo. I have no issue with, with like FTR. They're number one all. with a bullet for me for tag team of the year, and I don't I don't see how that changes. Sure. That's fair. So, so I, just, I find it weird that they're kind of being left of like, you have all the gold for other companies, but you well, can't that's, have ROH. That's what I think is making it weird for like the AEW tag team scene, like you're saying, Connor, is like because there's so much focus on FTR and all the titles that they have that it's almost like if they have all these belts, like, why aren't they getting a, ch- a chance to win the AEW tag titles right now? Like, because they really, sh- realistically, they should also just be the AEW tag team champions that just have yeah. all the titles. They just kind of sit at number one in the rankings for weeks on end. Right. The rankings don't matter, though. I've said this for a year. Scorpio Sky is ranked number one in the men's division. He just lost Jeremy, the war. They can make them matter. That's the yeah, thing. but they're not going to. They're just there because they started doing them when the company started, and then it, because they, I'm sure they thought that we're going to actually put some thought and we're going to use the rankings and utilize them. And then once they got big star after big star after big star, they really stopped mattering. But they just kind of forced themselves. They backed themselves into continue to use them. And then when they want to make sense of them, they do. But otherwise, they just use them. I'm talking. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anna Jay, she has some like 22 and 3 record this year. I don't think I've seen Anna Jay wrestle on Dynamite or Rampage once 
this year. I'm sure she's racking up wins on Dark and stuff, but I don't remember her wrestling. And there's a lot of matches. I'm sure I just forgot uh, yeah, she, something. She but... tried to get the title off of Jade a couple times. Yeah, she lost. She yeah. that's the thing. They lose all these people with these great records. Marina Shafir, great example. Jay Lethal, yeah. great example. Uh, Takeshka, great example of like they they had these. I mean, Takeshka loses a bunch of matches on TV, but like they had these great matches, and that's all fine. They try to push these records like twenty two and one, twenty two and two. It's like great. You're winning matches on the YouTube shows against nobody. Every time I watch you, every time the masses watch you on Dynamite and Rampage, you lose. And so I can't take you as serious. I hate the rankings. I think they're stupid. I'll continue to be on that. Fair enough. Other AEW spotlights, Steven Jensen, put your makeup on, please. You have been requested mm-hmm. to uh, wear the pain maker makeup. Come on, Jensen. I don't Come have on. any. I don't even have anything I can get do. Get a black that sharpie and just yeah, get a black yeah. sharpie. Oh my just... god! Then all weekend I'm just <laughs> black it's sharpie. Fine. It's fine. Come on, you pick this topic, Jensen. You got to commit to the no, bit here. I picked Swerve and Keith Lee winning the tag team titles. And you said, hey, since Connor's the guest, can you prepare up a backup? And I said, yeah, yes. how about Jericho's promo? So anyway, um, yeah, hey, Jericho's the, the man. I got. I will do – we got we got barbed wire next week, and I'm sure that this will be a topic for Jensen and yep. I because they're going to do some dumb shit in that match. I'll do Painmaker makeup next week. All right? Painmaker okay. Jeremy Lambert. Next week, and then you have to do a psychosis leg drop Ooh. onto a uh, pit of barbed wire, and that that uh, oh boy. I'll, uh... I have I have a glass tube that I've been waiting to like do for a bit, and now I'm very <laughs> scared of like trying to do oh. something because I don't trust myself. Uh, I don't know if I can get barbed wire. Maybe I can get some of that Canadian barbed wire Chris Jericho talked about. They they don't they do things safe in Canada. I'm sure that thing is very well protected. I'll I'll, I'll throw myself into some Canadian barbed wire, which I'm sure is just like silly string out there. <laughs> Yeah. What's the best? What do you get? You get paint or what's the best thing that you could use for? I was going to use marker. That's what I used for that Cody tattoo on the round table. Just he's like some type of marker. It washes I off. To, I might have to like be out in the world like at some point in the next couple of days. Like if oh, I, see, wash I don't off. have to. I'll just take a shower right afterward. Yeah. Do you know how many, how many times I've used marker for bits and okay. stuff okay. on this show? I, just don't I use a Crayola that. marker that washes off pretty well. Pain maker okay. Jeremy Lambert next week, everybody. There you go. I gotta um, find a goofy. I have a I have a goofy looking hat actually. Kids have so many props. So that's a brilliant. That's a great thing about being around kids. So much do- shit that they just have collected, and I can just use. Nice, same, same with the collection um stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just surrounded by things. And I, one of these days, I'll do like a little like tour of of this the stuff around me right now. But anyways, um, yeah, man, I I, I picked this because I thought it was another great Jericho promo. Like, I mean, I think he's really killing it. Like, I, 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 I love how he brought up how all of like basically Kingston and his friendships and how like, it's like, okay, let's go down the list. Like Ortiz shaved his head, like Santana out of action. Um, you know, uh, Danielson out of action. Like his, you know, his, his, his relationship with Moxley is, is interesting. Basically he, he made it sound like you care more about your friends than they care about you. And also anyone you care about, by the way, like we're taking out of commission anyways and ruining their lives. So like, I just thought it was like a really well done promo. And I really like how he, Jericho is just doing everything he can to just make this sound, seem like just a really big deal. Barbed wire everywhere. Never done before. Um, 
the, talking about the bloodshed and like, you know, both guys going to be nasty. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be to the same degree as what we saw out of like Jericho and Nick Gage, but that seems like what Jericho is like going for is like that kind of, that kind of hype and that kind of, uh, kind of match that they're, that they're building to is something that's going to be super violent, super bloody, super brutal. And one of my favorite matches of the year so far was, uh, Kingston and Jericho, the first match they had where, where Kingston tapped him with the stretch plum. And that's like turned into this awesome feud. I, I, I love the, the Jericho Appreciation Society versus um, BCC and, and the whole, all, all everything that stemmed off of that Jericho and Kingston match. And now to see where it's led and, and they made it clear too. It's like, this is the blow off. Like in AEW, this isn't going to be like, we have a barbed wire match and then, we're wrestling each other the next, you know, the next week on dynamite. And then we're rematching again on rampage. And then we're having running back on the pay-per-view like this. This is the blow off. Like there's nowhere left to go. This blood feud ends in this barbed wire match. And I, um, I just saw Jericho cut a, just, he cut a really good promo last night. They got me even more hyped up for the match. So just wanted to shout it out. Connor, what'd you think of the promo? Uh, the promo is fine. I, I feel like this is yet another Jericho. Program that has gone on just a little too long. You look at his stuff with MJF. Um, there's there's a few others that that, that one just immediately comes to mind. There are he just the the Cassidy one that went too long too. There are just some programs that he's like one match too many, and I That's feel fair. like I feel like blood and guts. It's a freaking war games match that that really should have been the end of it. And if it, that was meant to then transfer Eddie over into a few with Claudio, fine. But that's not really what we're getting. We're going right back to him and Chris. And now it's in a... They got to finish the thing with, with him and Chris, though. Blood and Guts and did not shark, finish. Could, you could have just Jericho. had him finish it by having him tab. Instead, yeah. you do the Claudio thing, which makes you think, oh, Kingston's going to be pissed that Claudio stole his satisfaction from him, so now he's going to go after him. He's not. Now we're doing a Shark Week tie-in match where both <laughs> guys are going to bleed like stuffed pigs, which is fine. You know, I, you know, I love me some violence on my on my free TV, but um, uh, you know, the, the the promo was fine. I'm I'm curious to see where they go next with the whole Jericho Appreciation Society thing. It lost me at first. It got me back. I thought I think between Anarchy and Arena and War Games, they both been great. Um, and the promo was just the promo, like I, you know, and I, I think the Pain Maker thing. He thinks it is so much cooler than everybody else does. Like he, <laughs> I get the sense he legitimately thinks like this is my demon, this is my fiend. This is, it's, it's his like, Bruiser Brody. It's, it's his Bruiser Brody. Weird face makeup and spiked shoulder pads and a hat. Like th this was fine <laughs> for New Japan, where they're all just a little goofier with their presentation. But this, this, th that hasn't transferred well over here. So when he's he he. He has the big drop of like, and I'm bringing the pain maker. I'm like, this is this is kind of goofy, guys. Come on, haters. I I didn't mind Come the on, promo. Hey, hater, er, hater. True. I love hater. for sure. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's I, I'm kind of more on Connor's side of like the the promo was like fine more than like oh this is one of the the greatest promos ever. And I don't think Jensen, you think it was like the greatest promo ever. No. I think you're a little no. bit more hype on it. Than Connor and I, uh, the the big sticking point to me with Jericho was he said this is the end of the feud, and I'm a fan of that because yes, Jericho feuds do tend to go on 
a little bit long. If they were going to try to drag this out to all out, I would have been very agitated by that. But if it's going to end in a barbed wire everywhere match, that's a fitting end for this. And then both men can transition into something else. I thought the promo was good. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, you know, he's like, I'm addressing you as Chris Jericho, the man, not the sports entertainer. And then he did like sports entertainer lines. Uh, it was it was a fine promo. I'm ex- I was going to be excited for the match regardless. I would have honestly preferred if it was flipped and Eddie Kingston did a long promo and then Chris Jericho did a backstage reaction to Eddie Kingston's promo. That would have been an ideal, more ideal scenario for me. That's fair. He needs to tell us this will end. So we don't think that, Oh, this is going to continue after this. It's good when we have, you know, uh, everyone does this WWE, especially like this is the last time ever last man standing eye for an eye, but that wasn't the final chapter. We need to know when these things are going to end so we get more invested in them. Yeah. Instead of Dude, just I'll never, ending. I'll never forget earlier this year when Cody beat Seth and Hell in a Cell, which my favorite match of the year so far from any company. Loved it. Even being a WWE kind of hater that I am nowadays, I'll give them credit when it's due and it's something incredible. I thought that was incredible. But right after the match, Cody's the, the mic the camera's right on him and he's like, It's over. Like it's over. I've I've won three times. That's it. And then the next day on Raw, Seth Rollins beats him up. And I'm like, oh, like, like, I know that I know part of it is like to get him off TV and all that. Like, I get that. But like, part of me was like, why is Seth involved with Cody at all anymore? Like, he just beat him three times. They said it was over. Like, just move on. Um, but they still should have let Cody win money in the bank. I don't care that he has. I agree. I agree. Oh, trust me. I agree there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah. So. I'm looking forward to Jericho and uh, in Kingston. I think we're all were already like I don't know if this promo gets people necessarily any more hyped than they would have already been, or 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 less hyped if they aren't looking forward to it. But um, it was just one of those things where like it just kind of caught my attention, where I was like Jericho's he's still put kind of really good promos, and I I think the Jericho Appreciation Society has been better than anyone expected when the group formed. Um, I I really like how it's kind of panned out for them. I like it better than the inner circle, personally. If I'm being honest, like as I, for like what for what the group actually is, like inner circle will seem like a kind of like a random collection of people to help Chris Jericho and kind of help each other. The Appreciation Society is like they're over the top sports entertainers. Like I, I like, and it makes sense with Jericho being their leader. Like seeing like seeing someone like Dana Garcia dressing kind of goofy and stuff. Like it's so out of the norm and like. And like Magic Matt just reminds me of like an early 2000s Y2J. Like, you know, like there's like a lot of similarities, I think. And, and, and Hager makes sense as the bodyguard in both groups. And Guevara makes sense with Jericho and in both groups and stuff. So I've, I, it's, it's kind of apples to oranges because I think Inner Circle was really important to the beginning of AEW. But, um, but I really like what, what they've done with the Appreciation Society, honestly. So let's move on to our other topic here our product is what it is we're going straight up the middle straight up the middle with new japan pro wrestling and the g1 tournament which kicks off this weekend connor casey you're adamant that will osprey must win this thing why why william osprey so i i've looked at the blocks i'm looking at them right now as we speak and i i love i'll start off by saying i love the g1 i I love the the concept i love how many great matches we get in a concentrated amount of time. I think they are the only company that is really equipped to do it this way because they don't have weekly television. They don't have to, they're, they're not obligated to wait a week for the next round of things. WWE tried a very abbreviated version of this 
during the pandemic with that cruiserweight tournament. But you could tell even with that, it was like they can only do it with a couple of guys. They, they You couldn't get 8, 10, 15, 16 people in this kind of idea. Unfortunately, I also feel like there's a lot of filler. There, there's especially this year, there is a lot when they announced the lineups and they said, we're going with four blocks this time because it's the 50th anniversary. So we got to go bigger. I'm like, cool. Who you got? And it's a lot of guys like Yoshihashi and Bad Luck Fale and Taichi and guys that, you know, have no earthly business being anywhere near the finals. And you get the same guys like Goto and Yano that, you know, yeah, they'll get maybe one or two wins, but they're really not going to get elevated and be real contenders to win this thing. And then you go, okay, well, who actually legitimately has a shot at winning this? Well, Okada, okay, for the third or fourth time, Tana again, you know, Abushi's not in it. Naito's already won it before, you know, Jay's in there, but he's champion. So they're not going to go that route. That, that always bugs me is they, they have the, the world champion in there, but he's really just in there to get pinned by who his future challengers will be for the next few months. That's the for only sure. reason. There. So when I look at, okay, who's in this that legitimately shakes things up because that's what this comp, that's what this promoter promotion has needed since the evil world title reign. It's like, y'all need some shakeups and the things you've tried haven't necessarily worked. I love Okada and going back to him especially for the 50th year anniversary makes all the sense in the world. And I love JY and I love that he's the world champion. So those two things are fine, but who else is really legitimately going to win? And with Osprey, he's the one guy that I feel like his first world title reign was snake bitten. Cause I maintain that that world heavyweight championship is cursed. Yeah. It was cursed for its first year. They were, they were punished for you. You took away the greatest design for a title in pro wrestling so for that, we damn you for with a year of unfortunate injuries. Um, and with Osprey, you know, he has two great matches with Shingo, and then he has to give it up. And I feel like this is the one thing he hasn't accomplished in this company yet. His block makes sense because it's either him or Shingo out of block D. And then, like I said on Pillar to Post, you can have it where Okada beats White, in, in the finals of block A versus block B. So you you can bring that back into Wrestle Kingdom with one of the knights. And then you have Osprey pull off the win in the finals so that he gets the other main event of Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, you know, and people will go, oh well, no one's gonna want they're not gonna want two gaijins and two English speakers in uh in the in the main event of one of their Wrestle Kingdom nights. And I go, y'all gotta start shaking things up. Y'all gotta try new things. And especially if you're still trying to make your, you know, have a heavier presence here in the United States, you got to try stuff like this. You know, it can't just be Okada for the fourth time or Tana for the fifth. Like you need to do some new stuff. So that that's why I'm pushing for Osprey. I wouldn't with if Shingo got it, I wouldn't be mad. But it's exactly where we were a year ago with him being champion. And you know, it's not like they're gonna they're not gonna strap the rocket to someone like Juice Robinson. I'd love it if they did it to Kenta. They won't. But that's yeah, like, that kind yeah, of, like, oh, the options. I'd be happiest with Osprey. Yeah, like Chase Owens isn't winning this thing. Like there, like there's like a lot Dave of Archer's not winning this thing. Billy yeah, Tom's not winning this thing. Jonah's not winning winning this thing. It's like cool. You got people from other companies, but I'm like this. This, this, all, this is always going to happen in in these types of no, tournaments where you need with guys to fill up the roster. I bought that someone like Speedball or Ace could win it. 
I right. don't buy that for a second with this. I, That's this, true. This yeah. Every year in the G1, they just have these guys that are there that you're pretty confident aren't winning it. But they, they got to have guys that, to fill it out. Well, I think what Connor's point more so is, if I'm hearing correctly, it's more so that like there's really only like one or two people that can win it. Like it's like it's like it's going to be Okada or uh, or or Osprey, really. I mean, and then you look at and then like no one else really, I think, has a chance. Like I love Tomohiro Ishii, but like I don't think he's going to win this thing, you know. Like so, it's like there's, I so I, I get what you're saying, what you're saying, Connor, because it's like not only is it it's one thing to have a few kind of dark horses in there. It's another thing when it's like, realistically speaking, only like two of these guys could really win this entire thing. It'd make any sense at all. Which is um, a bummer when you have a month long tournament. To win. Right. Right. Hey, and I'm with you. If, if it was me personally, I'd have Osprey win this without question. It's not even a, it's not even a conversation for me. Like he, his, his, that first title run didn't, I mean, it just didn't go how it should have. Um, and he had to give up the belt very quickly. Uh, he's getting more exposure now on US TV. Hopefully he's doing more on AEW going forward as well. He's still only like, he's not even 30 yet still. I mean, he's, that's what people don't realize about him. He hasn't even technically hit his athletic prime yet, which is like insane. Um, so, um, and I think it makes the most sense. Honestly, I think that Osprey versus Jay White is the best match they could put on for Wrestle Kingdom. I love Okada. I, I like if if they want to put Okada in that spot, I'm never going to complain about that ever. But it's, but I'm with you. They need to do something different. Um, and I think that Jay White versus, uh, versus Will Osprey, like it writes itself. Like the story's right there. Um, and and the match would be phenomenal, just like it would be if 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 Okada was involved as well. Like you can't go wrong with those guys. Um, personally speaking, I'm a bigger Osprey fan than I am a Jay White fan. I think Jay White overall, like I, the overall presentation of, and everything of him, I maybe edges out just a little bit. But like Osprey, what he does in the ring really like puts him on a different level for me. Because then, then what with Osprey between his age and how good he is and his accomplishments already up to this point and putting on more size and kind of changing his style and all this stuff, like. I don't want to open up the floodgates to this exact conversation, but like I consider like, I think like Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson and for personal reasons, Cody Rhodes, those are kind of like the guys that I see as like, those are like the best. You can throw Roman Reigns in that to a degree. I don't think he's as good in the ring as the others, but like, but yeah, when he's right. But like, if I had to say like, who's the best overall wrestler in the world right now, uninjured, I'm probably saying either Danielson or Omega, but like, Osprey for me is in that conversation. If somebody said Will Osprey, I'd be like, you know what? Like, I can't really argue that. Like, I mean, he, when you're talking in ring, especially. So, I um, I'm with you, Connor. I, I think Osprey should win this whole thing. And personally, I'd like to see him win the world title back from uh from Jay White and just just give him an actual run with it and see where it goes. Especially if he get, has more access to AEW in the states, like him as. Uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion in AEW, that would put him in a whole other, whole other level, which you know would would be pretty wild to see. Joe Holbers in the comments. <laughs> okay, we're... Joe. Yeah, Duck, Duck, Duck Jerry, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, come man, love you, Joe. What's up, Joe? Hey, so the one of my one of my favorite things I've ever ever done in like that has to do with like wrestling or or media or whatever is like. When Joe was reading out the list for the Fleet 50, and he was going through the whole thing, I watched the whole show, 
I remember him being like, he gets to Cody, who I think had been ranked like in the 20 something, maybe 30 or whatever out of 50. And he gets to it and he's like, and he was talking about how the highest ranking each person had, the lowest ranking each person had, whether they are unranked on people's lists and stuff. He gets to Cody and he's like, all right, Cody ranks at you know, number 26 or whatever. Uh, lowest ranking was some people didn't have him on there at all. Um, highest ranking was uh, the number four, and I didn't have to look. That was Steven Jensen. And I was like, yep, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, number four? That seems low for you. Who'd you have up Something yeah. like that. Um, I think I had, because it was AEW, um, it would have been Omega up there, maybe Hangman. I had the young bucks really high as well, I think, but I think I had them like individually. So it was a little bit lower, but I could have, I in hindsight, I would have, I would have ranked it a little different personally if I were, were to redo one. it. But, um, but yeah, I had Cody like really high, like, like, but it was, it was, yeah, just behind someone like Danielson. Well, yeah, I think I had Danielson and Omega above him and maybe Moxley was like way up there as well. I can't remember. But um, but yeah, I, maybe Cody was even third, like just behind those two. I can't remember. But 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 Joe, without even having to look, was like, oh, that yeah, that was that was that was Steven that ranked him that high. And I was like, yep, yeah, it was. So, uh, uh, as far as Osprey, who is on the same level as Cody in the ring, um, yeah. it, no, in the ring, Osprey is better. I'm not, but well, it's a sure? different, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. Cody's a better storyteller. Well, without having to do as much. Osprey just does Twitter and and Osprey has not. So that that's (laughs) Cody Devontae Rhodes cured racism. Um get into all that. Um uh (laughs) well Osprey just does a bunch of moves that nobody remembers, and some guy gives him six stars every every single month. Cody actually he's out here telling stories. Um I don't think you, I don't know if they're going to headline Osprey and White at the Tokyo Dome because, like you said, Connor, two Gaijins. Uh, but, be, but being two nights, I don't know if they actually have to go that direction. Like you maybe do that for night one and then night two have Okada in the mix or do Okada Osprey night one and then the winner or Okada White night one, put the belt on Okada, sure, and then do Osprey Okada night two. So that way Okada's headlining both nights. Throw Naito in there. I do think Naito's going to play a big role um, in this G1 being 50 years and being that he got his moment screwed over by Kenta when he did win it a few years ago. So I'd look for Naito to play a big role in the G1. I agree. Like Osprey winning, I have no issue with that. I thought Zack Sabre Jr. should have won the title. I just want them to shake things up in some way that it's not Okada. And I love Jay White. I think he's doing great. I look forward to his G1 performances. It is. It would be nice if we had somebody new on top for extended time. And Osprey did not get that chance previously, so I'm fine. Can, I, they, can I drop a hot take about Zack Saber Jr.? Oh boy, are we gonna? He is, is he worse yeah, than Cody have, Rhodes? No, uh, is he worse than Cody Rhodes? Yeah. Uh, Who's I mean, a better wrestler, Zack Saber Jr. or Cody Rhodes? A better professional wrestler, Cody Rhodes. A better <laughs> amateur wrestler, yeah, it's probably Zach, but that's not. No, Cody Rhodes. Oh, Stephen Chance is about to. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, sorry, grappler with the divisions <laughs> and the joint manipulation. Yeah, no, no. Uh, the thing with the thing with ZSJ is like he he moves slower, he moves more methodically, he, but he he wrestles unlike anybody else, and I like that about him. I like so, that he's he's different. He, he, my issue with him is, and it's not, I, I've seen him elsewhere to where I, I will just say, I will just keep this to his New Japan matches. He's got one speed. He's got one type of match. How dare you. He does this one type of, he does it exactly when he's doing it in the in New Japan Cup, when he's doing it in the G1, 
Whenever he gets a world title shot, it's usually against Okada, and he usually loses. The match goes the same way, and it's joint manipulation, joint manipulation, joint manipulation, joint manipulation. Have you had enough joint manipulation? Because I got more joint manipulation for your ass. And then the other guy comes back and beats him. It's like, that's, it's like, please, I'm begging you, throw a kick. And he, <laughs> he does. does. He has he the penalty kick. He does the PK. He does the PK. He does, yeah. he, he'll do a lot more in other companies, but when it's New Japan, it's just how much can I twist this one man's wrist or leg? And Everyone like, has their this is why man. this is why Zack Saber Jr. is actually the greatest wrestler ever. Because I don't know if you if you've seen my one episode that I've done with Jonathan Gresham. Connor Casey, where he breaks down the ins and outs of wrestling and how wrestlers should have certain strengths and certain weaknesses and shouldn't do everything perfect like all these new wrestlers nowadays. Zack Sabre Jr. plays to his strengths and he has certain weaknesses. And they're holding Zack Sabre Jr.'s game, but he's also the great at, at joint manipulation. And that is why Zack Sabre Jr. fucking rules and you are a hater. And I, I was fine. so excited. It's, it's just no. my preference. Get muted. I was so excited for Steven oh, Jensen no. to list off Cody Rhodes' amateur credentials, as you said, Zach Sabre Jr. Do you need me to? Do you, no, I thought you were about to break into two-time high school. Do we need to talk about uh, 189 pound state champion as a junior and as a senior? Went undefeated yeah. as a junior. I know Xavier Woods can't hold a candle to him. I saw it. I saw it live. I, I know. I Anyways, um, I have to go here in a minute. Um, but let me let me throw out a couple things for a few of the spotlights I'm gonna miss. And y'all obviously feel free to go as long as you want to while I'm gone. Um, real quick, I'll say uh Jonathan Gresham, love the heel turn, very excited for him and Moriarty, like that a lot. Um, I know y'all will deep dive into Gresham's heel turn. Um as far as people breaking out on the indies over um WrestleMania weekend, I'll throw a few names out there real quick. Or sorry, sorry, for SummerSlam weekend. I'll throw a few names out there. Because um, I was looking at some of the cards. And, like, the Ric Flair's last match show, like, it's mainly people people know. Um, so I was looking more at, like, kind of the GCW side. And uh, three names that I think people should really look out for. They're already making waves for people who are paying attention. But for kind of, like, if you're more of, like, a WWE fan and you're seeing some of these people for the first time, I think three guys that are going to be uh, really heavily uh, kind of blow up after this weekend, potentially. Um, I, I'm always a big Cole Radrick fan. He's having he's had a great rise re recently through GCW as well. Um, I think way more people are going to know about Nick Wayne after this uh, after that weekend. Um, and people already know that he's you know lined up for AEW once uh, he graduates high school. And I think Jordan Oliver is like really primed to really break out and has been for a while. And right now he's getting a real good push in GCW. So those are kind of the three guys I would look out for um, over uh, SummerSlam weekend uh, to maybe break out if you haven't really seen much of them yet. And um, also shout out to um, GCW for being back on IWTV, which I am very uh, happy to see that they have figured things out. The, the settlement series is now uh, starting to air on IWTV. And I'm a guy who, you know, I've got a promo code with IWTV and I have friends over there. I'm, I'm a big GCW fan. So, and I've, I have friends that work there and I, 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 I have, I have a kind of a toe in both pools. Like I didn't really have, I didn't have like a side in the fight. I just wanted them to figure things out and work together. And I love seeing uh, that they figured things out. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy to, uh, to see that they've worked things out and GCW's back on IWTV, even if it's just for a few times a year. Um, to answer some things in the Super Chapters real quick, um, Alan Angels is going... I love that Alan Angels is um, 
is back on the indies. He never really had much of an indie run because he got signed so quickly because they needed people available in Atlanta for AEW during the pandemic. So I love that Alan Angels is 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 having um, having an opportunity to rise the ranks and, and raise his value before he resurfaces on, on one of the mainstream TV shows. He's already showed up at Impact. And Kevin Koo, everyone knows I love Kevin Koo, action wrestling champion, him and Dominic Greeny, in my, my opinion, the best indie tag team in the world right now. Violence is forever. They're just draped in gold. Um, and Kevin Koo is, uh, at this point, either 9 or 10 and 0 on uncharted territory. So they're, uh, they're doing a great job building him as a singles guy while also simultaneously as a tag team guy. So um, I got to go clock in for the shoot job. Connor, thank you very much for uh, joining us today and uh, for replacing me for today, even though I still want to on the show. But you guys got plenty of stuff to talk about without me. Good to Connor see you, Jeremy. Connor texted me when, when he found out you were on. And he said, oh, I don't want to work with Steven Jensen. You know, I'm here to take his job. But if he's <laughs> on, I will prove Jeremy, I'll prove that I'm better than Jensen and I, I will take his job from him. Yeah, I don't believe That's that for said. a second because I know Connor's a good dude and we don't I'm I'm one of those people like I don't trash talk anybody. Jeremy's always like pulling me into stuff and I'm like, dude, I like this person. Who are you talking I know. about? So um I, no, I try to I try to start feuds with everybody. Thank yeah, you, Jensen. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Jensen. See you guys. Pleasure, man. Bye. And I gotta update the, the graphics. Yeah, I, I I try to start feuds with everybody. I tried to get Samira to fight Denise Salcedo last week. Yeah. I tried, what we need beef in the media, like between us. Yeah. Like, there's so much toxicity everywhere else. Why do we need to be terrible to each other? Because it's fun toxicity. There is like legitimate uh, of that stuff between everybody, but we are actually all friends. And in October at my wedding, we're all going to get along just fine until I beat everybody up because you have, all have to listen to me. <laughs> like, you we, have all, to, we all you get have along. This bro kick. It's for the, it's for the groom. Exactly. Exactly. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be re- uh, wrestling. Uh, getting married in full John Cena regalia, and I'm gonna hit everybody with the the five knuckle shuffle. Everybody's got to lay down and take the five knuckle knuckle shuffle from me. I, I I'm gonna have to ask the missus if that's uh if that's really the plan because it is. Okay. Th- this is legitimately so. If I get Bret Hart at our wedding, which is a big if, but I know people who know people who could maybe pull this off for me, I can wear whatever I want. And I'm wearing full John Cena get up. There I you got go. The, the armbands. I've, uh, I've got plenty of jorts. Uh, all right, let's 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 get into the other, other spotlight. Mine, Jonathan Gresham turned heel on Rampage this past week. What? Uh, just kind of dropped Lee Moyarty, said fuck off. Aligned with Tully Blanchard enterprises and totally blanchard and basically just said you know when i was unemployed totally blanchard reach out to me i didn't like the explanation i don't mind the heel turn from jonathan gresham i think he's great as a baby face or a heel i don't know about the alignment with, with totally blanchard and, and gates of agony i don't think gresham like fully needs that i don't know if brian cage fits into this i assume brian cage is turns into like this conquering baby face or something then what was the point of putting him with totally blanchard enterprises in the first place it doesn't make full sense to me honestly because i thought gresham should have been like baby face carrying the flag for ring of honor because that's what he did and that's what he's always kind of championed during throughout the the pandemic era everything and why he said he didn't want to sign with a big company because he loved ring of honor so much so him now being a heel doesn't it doesn't strike with me too much i think they want samoa joe to kind of be the big baby face in the company and that's why gresham doesn't even have a match for this pay-per-view 
that's it that's in a week meanwhile they're pushing joe and lethal as the biggest match on the show so i think they really want joe to to be that guy and that'll probably lead to joe taking the title from gresham what do you what did you think of this heel turn connor casey so i did i miss cage getting kicked out of tully blanchard enterprises or is he still in it technically he's still in it technically i mean it's not like roh has run like television or anything and on Brian Cage hasn't been on AEW TV where ROH conducts their business now. So as far as I know, he's still in it. Okay. Um, Gresham, like I, like I said, on pillar to post, he's better as a heel. I thought his stuff with the foundation was great. I honestly thought they could have kept that group going into whatever this is, this, this new era of ring of honor. Um, you know, putting him with Tully is fine. Like we all kind of said earlier, I don't, I mean the, the whole Brian Cage of it all. Eh. You know, I know Joe's in the in the comments right now saying he's never he does that boy don't miss. He has never <laughs> dropped the ball. I'm just like, yeah, he's okay, he's fine, but he's he he's just that. He is fine. And as far as Joe being the one to potentially dethrone Gresham, I honestly like the idea of building up Gresham as the guy that that takes down the Ring of Honor originals. You know, put him in the ring with guys like Joe Danielson and Punk and Claudio and have him beat them all. Then you got then you got yourself a monster right there. You know he's a, you know it, it's like having Taz around again. He's a he's a sawed off monster, and then have someone like a Moriarty who they're pairing him up with on Rampage this week, and and have that next generation star that you want to kind of anchor Ring of Honor be the one to finally bring him down, because if you have Joe beat him, it, it's more of a nostalgia pop than anything. Because I love Joe. But his, prime the nostalgia pops. but his prime in Ring of Honor was almost 20 years ago. So I, I don't I don't think putting the title back on him now, it, it, it's, a, it's a short-term fix for a long-term problem, which is what do you do with this second promotion? So, and I, I think Gresham, you can get a lot more mileage out of. Um, as far as the turn, I'm all for it. Tony Khan loves the nostalgia pops, though. He does, but when you have a when you have a program that doesn't have TV yet, and you're still trying to run pay per views with, eh, can't can't rely just on nostalgia. Connor Casey, we have a run in here on this show. Is somebody it who, I who think it is? I don't know. Who do you think it is? Uh, somebody who you turned heel on on Tuesday, oh, and he's coming no. for revenge. SV3 is he's here, playing. back from the dead. SV3. Back from How? the dead, and I'm here with an expose, Jeremy. Oh, and no. Connor, if that's your real name, it is. I don't think so. <laughs> I actually did some investigation Uh-oh. for the 135th Street Journal, and I have an expose on Connor Casey, who oh, is God. really Damian Powers from Love is Blind Season 1. I, you thought you could get away with it? You thought <laughs> that you could fool the American people because you became such a villain on After the Altar when you when you betrayed Gianna, you left her at the altar, and then you started hooking up with Francesca from Too Hot to Handle, and you wanted to flaunt it in front of her, and you thought you could get away with it. But you didn't know that SP3 
is really Simon Professional 3, and I can do <laughs> exposés and scandals unlike anyone in wrestling journalism. I have exposed you. He is really Damian Powers from Love is Blind Season 1. I heard that you're from Nashville. I'm from Harlem. The first album I ever owned was Mace living, uh, sitting on top of the world. Your first album was Jeff Jarrett's uh forgery in 1995 that was really the road dog jesse james i have exposed you more than anyone has ever done it you are not connor casey of comicbook.com you just you just got a new identity and now you have been exposed you know it's funny you you say i'm from nashville and i'm not i'm from kansas city so try that one again (laughs) (laughs) look at you just fell into my trap because that's where damian powers is from you just exposed that's fine but people usually compare me to dexter they don't usually compare me to a guy from a bad reality show so nice try hey a bad reality show that you became the villain of so i have exposed you you can live on your fame at, on your comicbook.com articles, but the real story is you left Gianna at the altar. You became a heel, and then you tried to you tried to fool everyone, but I saw through it. That's why I got my glasses, because I wanted to see better, and I saw through it. Well, that is uh, it's quite, quite the accusation, I must say. Thanks, SV3. <laughs> As we do, you can stick around. <laughs> no, that's that's all I was here for. That's oh, okay. all I was here for because okay. I was I was I was, I was buried for for Twice. having an opinion. For, no, for you, that was an, no, that you was were not an opinion. For being wrong. Yes, that it was, was an opinion. It was for, ha- it was for having an was opinion. opinion. Was all, all right, let's let's was... let's do an investigation here. Why did you say? Does WrestleMania 30 Does it count? count? Like how you didn't even let me finish off the joke because <laughs> no one wanted Batista to be in that WrestleMania. But it counts. That was the joke. It but doesn't it count. It doesn't count. It does it I applaud it. I, I'm like all fantasy bookers. I wipe the slate clean of what <laughs> WWE did, and I just pretend my mind was right and that it was really Daniel Bryan versus Randy. Is this Adam Blanc you didn't even let me like, you didn't even this? let me. <laughs> Finish my my joke on on pillar to post, but you I made the accusation you. that Connor was wrong. You were adamant that Connor was lying and was wrong. And you then... didn't see me tongue in cheek. I literally had my tongue in my cheek. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys having me on here, Connor. If that's your real name, I love you regardless. I enjoyed you you on Love is Blind season one. And of always, Jeremy, (laughs) I love you. Thank you, people of Fightful. For for the 135th Street Journal, my name is Simon Professional 3, and I'm out of here. Thanks, buddy. I feel bad because I've never watched that show, or else I would have played into the joke. (laughs) It's a good show. You should watch it. It's it's terrible reality television, but that's what makes it so I'm so far behind, like, I'm four episodes behind on Better Call Saul, and that's back now. I haven't yeah. finished Miss Marvel yet, and that's like I would argue the best Disney Plus show that Marvel has put out recently. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just behind on like it took me forever to finish Barry. Uh, I, I got just, I'm trying to catch I, up on that so bad. I caught up on the boys like a week late, even though I'm known as the guy who loves that show at my own website. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I've been, I've been slipping on television, man. But yeah. It's hard to watch television when you have other things going on in your life and with 3 million hours of wrestling right. as well. Yeah. It's tough. 
it's time. Uh, let's get into our final uh, segment on the spotlight here. The Indie Spotlight. I'm going to give a big motherfucking shout out. Uh, your Indie Spotlight, Connor Casey, was who's going to steal the weekend at SummerSlam weekend? Which wrestler is going to have the best weekend and come out of SummerSlam with more bookings up in their their pay, hopefully, up in their spotlight, up in their uh, their their value on the Indies. Connor, who's your pick? Well, Jensen kind of kind of stole my thunder on this one because I was honestly he picked just like twenty go people. Through. Yeah, he did. Um, but I, I I look at what's been announced so far for the show for the different shows that are going to be at the fairgrounds. Um, Black Label Pro, low key, I think might steal the weekend because they've got Takeshita versus Nick Wayne. I don't know how they pulled that one off, but on top of that, they get jo- they get a double dip of Josh Alexander before he goes and defends the Impact title, and you get Violence is Forever on the card. So that that Black Label show might wind up being the best of the weekend, especially since I don't know what half of the GCW card looks like right now. Because you get you get the obvious Moxley uh, involvement, and they, they've named some of the the usual suspects. You know, I think this is the weekend that Nick Wayne really, you know, steps forward. Everyone's still talking about that Osprey match from a few weeks back. You know, but some people just still haven't had the chance to see him. And I feel like this is this is potentially the biggest stage he's had is this weekend. So whatever they wind up doing with him at the People versus GCW, his match with Takeshita, who I swear is in case he's he's hitting Kushida levels of can't have a bad match because everything I've seen him on AEW is well, this is great. So I, I think that's I think that's the winner. I feel like Alexander is going to be the standout out of the Ric Flair show. I've heard what the main event is. I will not say what it is. Do you know? Can you can you post in the private chat? Because I, I, I think I know as well. I I I, I might. We'll, okay. we'll we'll see. But um, I'll talk to you after. Gotcha. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I don't know how well that match will be received. That is all I will say with that. Um. But I do think a lot of eyes are going to be on that show, so it's a big chance for some people to stand out. And I think Alexander's been on the best run of his life, so having him defend that title in the semi-main, I feel like he is, you know, if anybody's going to win the weekend, looking at what's been announced so far, I feel like it's him. I feel like Nick Wayne's got a really strong uh, contention there for that, too. Let me tell you who is going to win the weekend, Connor Casey. Who's that? And it is the 70-year-old prospect by the name of Ric Flair. Because that's all anybody is going to talk about from this weekend. And it's upsetting that that's all anybody's going to talk about. doesn't matter good or bad. It does not matter how this match goes. People are going to remember this Ric Flair match. And I don't think it's going to be very good, but I think it'll be not bad enough to where... I hope it's I hope it's bad enough to where it's just like hilariously bad and he makes a fool of himself. Like I have no tie to Ric Flair at this point, uh, especially the way he's embarrassed himself over the past couple of years. I I don't I, I think it's a it's a little upsetting that he finds himself in just better position after better position and go circling back to our previous topic. This is what happens with rich white people who are adored by by fan bases. And, you know, Ric Flair somehow fell upwards after everything that happened with him and everything that he has done and everything where he tries to make a fool of himself doesn't matter. He just keeps going forward and he's going to get he's going to get paid better than anybody not on the WWE for SummerSlam weekend. Uh, And he's going to be the talk of the weekend 
he is going to win the weekend. Unfortunately so. And it's very, it's upsetting that this is the wrestling world and that Ric Flair is going to come out of this. And everybody's like, oh, Ric Flair, his last match was such a great event, such a memorable event, such a monumental event. I hope that others, I hope that others like Josh Alexander, who should have a great match on the show. Uh, I hope they are able to use this show and parlay it into more for themselves because anybody on this show should go out there and want to have the best match on this show because it's going to be the biggest indie event of the weekend. The GCW lineup looks very good. Uh, you mentioned Black uh, Black Label Pro. That looks like a good lineup. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more stuff announced, uh, You know, all these random indie events. But the Flair show is going to be the talk of the weekend. And so anybody on that show, go out there, go have a great match, make a name for yourself off of Ric Flair headlining in whatever farce of a match he's going to do. To, to bring it back to a more positive note, I, I find it interesting that we're a couple of weeks out and only a couple of promotions have announced that they're going to be running shows. And unlike in other cities, like in Dallas during Mania weekend, where there were five different venues that were all running things, this is all kind of being contained at just the national fairgrounds. And I don't know if that's a good thing because it means fans don't have to travel and they can just stick around for certain things. Or if it's bad in that none of the other smaller venues are running smaller shows. I Any wonder how long, how much like they just weren't able to put things together. Because the StarCast announcement was a few months out. But, you know, WrestleMania weekend, that's planned for like basically a year out. Like mm. everyone knows WrestleMania is on these days and stuff. SummerSlam, they already had it planned on Saturday. I know they indie shows like do run around SummerSlam. But when it's a, a Saturday event, it's a little bit tougher because you assume that like a good chunk of fans leave Sunday. So you don't want to run like a ton of Sunday events because you just don't know if anybody's going to show up. And then the flare thing got built on Sunday. So it's like, well, okay, people are sticking around, but by the time all that got announced, how much were people able to like secure bookings and do a bunch of shows, secure venues and things. So I do wonder like the logistics of everything and the timing of when various things got announced. And that's why we haven't seen like, you know, uh, 10 different indie promotions run like, all right, we're going to do shows this here, 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 and here. It's a lot built around like Starcast, And I wonder like how much had to be like organized with Starcast because they've kind of taken a hold of like the fairgrounds and whatnot. They're doing stage shows and stuff like how much had to be kind of built around that as well. I, I think cool. there's a, a lot of different factors at play as to why we just haven't seen uh, you know, New Japan's running a show. Uh, at, at well. the fairgrounds, yeah, yeah. Like, so I wonder how much uh, the, the other factors played into that we just don't know about. Right, and there. The funny thing is that there are so many venues in Nashville that there's no way it's a shortage of that. Like, nobody yeah. seems to be running the Basement East, and that's where S, you know, Southern Underground Pro. That's where they run all their Sunday shows. So I'm like, yeah, where are you guys? Where's no one's running Bridgestone, which I'm a block from. And that's, that's, you know, our that's a big, team. I don't think anybody is like, it's, it's big, I'm still like NXT isn't even touching it, which I feel like if you're going to do something, do it there. Yeah. Um, but NXT, a, they're fed non grata to WWE at this point. Fair, fair. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's an, going to be a definitely an interesting weekend. And, uh, You'll, you'll definitely be seeing plenty of me at the fairgrounds um, for what I can. Cause I, I'm in this weird spot where I have to fly out to Chicago, like midway through Friday 
because this is also the weekend my brother is having his bachelor weekend at Lollapalooza. So I will. Could be- you not plan that better? Denise Salcedo is also she's she's gonna be missing things. She's got things to do. I think she's announced this. Hopefully, I I, I spoiled when Will and the Grapsody guys were having Swerve on their show, and Will got very mad at me. Denise Salcedo is getting married that weekend. So <laughs> don't you guys plan better on this stuff? Man, blame Metallica and Lollapalooza for booking <laughs> Chicago. Like start all the way at the top, and then get to my brother and his fiance. I mean, you. you can blame Metallica for a lot of things. Just just uh, download the show on Napster. It'll be fine. Yeah, right. I got, I, I got some bad news about that one, Jeremy. Because it's, it's, <laughs> Napster doesn't exist anymore? Kidding I me? don't think so. No, oh, I, shit. I, I, have to, I have to imagine it got bought by somebody. Yeah. Well, they haven't done a very good job with it. Um, Jensen's indie spotlight was GCW being back on IWTV for a run of shows. Uh, the first one was, was this past weekend, the, the settlement series. It feels very GCW light in that they aren't really going all out to promote this kind of stuff. Uh, but they're, they're on the, they're on the platform. seems like they're working together a little bit. Do you have, do you have thoughts on, on this kind of Casey? I do not. I, I, have, I have missed these shows, so I, I do not have many thoughts on them. All right. Well, this was Steven Jensen's wheelhouse. Everyone can go to uh, IWTV and use the code Fight Talk to, to sign up there. But like, just looking at the show, like they had Nick Wayne uh, compete, but this is not like your top GCW guys uh, on there. And they made you know they made fun of the the whole settlement stuff. They did some some vignettes, and they had a Bussy Supreme Court on there as well but it did not feel like it was a gcw show that was super heavily promoted as like this is one of our bigger events it felt very much like we're obligated to now run these shows because of everything that happened with iwtv here you go here's a show here's your nxt 2.0 show that we're gonna give you your gcw iwtv show Connor, appreciate you joining us. We don't have a creator spotlight. Connor is basically in our creator spotlight all week. He was on Pillar to Post, the interim Pillar to Post champion, coming for Alex McCarthy and the real title. I appreciate you filling in and doing the entire show. Let everyone know where they can find you at. So you can find me on Twitter at ConnorKCCB. You can find all of my writing stuff over at comicbook.com. I'm not just covering wrestling. I also do comic reviews each week. So you can uh, see how I'm feeling about some of the latest comics that are getting published um, you can find me on Instagram at Connor KCCB. And uh, yeah, you probably noticed the shirt FXE Wrestling. Uh, I won't say much for now, but just uh, look them up on Twitter, maybe on Facebook, and uh, keep an eye out for certain things because uh, some big things are coming. Well, I, look, I, look for, I was wondering what that shirt was. I thought it was uh, what's, what's the, the Vince McMahon company, the World Entertainment Extreme. What is this stupid that used the XFL? What was the name that he used for that? I don't know. Oh, the, 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 uh, it was, wasn't it Titan Sports that technically owned? Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. Research here on this show. Because it looks, it has the XFL colors. No, no offense about it, but it is very, yeah, the, that that whole color thing. Um, hold on. What, it, it, he, he had the subsidiary, this terrible, god-awful radio slash, uh, slash video right now just awful awful podcasting um i'm never gonna find this either which is gonna be even worse somebody in the chat has to know this somebody help us out whatever i was wondering what the shirt was because i did not know so So it stands for federation x entertainment okay 
Thank you for for clearing. It, apparently, it was Alpha Entertainment I, that, that was instead. I thought it was something else, but maybe I don't know. I've been hitting the head too many times. Guys, next week the pain maker Jeremy Lambert makes his debut on this show. Jensen and I will be back talking everything going on in the world of wrestling. Uh, you can go to fightfuloverbook.com. We have a big lineup of stuff this week. Pillar to Post, which was one of our, our best shows ever. It was just great. Though. Connor Casey was there. Joseph Holbert was there. SP3 was there getting killed. Samira was there. Uh, great lineup on, on Pillar to Post. Um, we've had two episodes of the Joshi Dreamcast with Scotty Wrestling reviewing the Tokyo Joshi Pro Show and the Stardom Show from this past weekend. We had uh, Kieran and, and Matt from Shining Wizard doing their New Japan G1 preview podcast on the, the Bread Club New Japan show. Let's go to Fight Over Book, subscribe there. We have Day After Dynamite today. We have Coexisting with Rob and Maggie tomorrow. I have the trailer for a new thing that I'm doing dropping on Saturday. A lot going on at Fightful Overbook. So everyone, and we have FMC every Monday. SB3 and I reviewed uh, The Hustle with with uh, Adam Sandler, his basketball film. That's our non-wrestling show that's on the, was it good? the platform. It was good. It was really yeah. good. You should, yeah, if you have got time, check it out. It was it was really good. Um, yeah, we reviewed that. We talked uh, challenge stuff. I filed the complaint. Cher Delaware was there as well, joining us on the show. So great, great stuff over on Fightful Overbook. Everyone go over there, subscribe. Leave us some thumbs up on some videos. Um, yeah, so we'll be back next week with the spotlight. Go to Fight Flover Booked. I'll make my run in on Day After Dynamite. Thank you, Connor Casey. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Bye, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.